Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Title Fight is also available as an ebook and as an ad-free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash titlefight. Light. Darkness. Light. Darkness. Pain. Not like before, though. Dull. Distant. The pain that leaks through a drug haze, almost like a hollow snapshot from someone who's really visited such a place. And through it all, the most urgent, screaming demand, the need to know, had he won? An electric shock ripped through his body. He felt thick fluid moving against his skin as he twitched and thrashed against restraints. Only now did he realize he was breathing through a tube shoved deep down his throat. A healing tank. Damn it, had he won or not? The light and the darkness, him blinking open crusty eyelids, one eye looking at the inside of a bandage taped across his face. He reached up to pull it off, but his hands wouldn't budge. His arms felt weaker? Noise coursed through the gel-like fluid. Cold air exposure began on his forehead, then cascaded down his face. His kneecaps joined, then his chest, then his whole body as it all drained away, leaving a thin film covering him from head to toe. Wait a minute. Missing something. Something basic. Had he won. Had he won. He was... alive? Impossible. He had felt the cold hand of death stop his heart from beating. Felt a chill spread over that most vital muscle, then spread through his chest. It had been an end. It had been a feeling of, for perhaps the first time in his life, true peace. But this wasn't peace. This was pain. Throbbing, echoing agony. Death couldn't hurt like this. Only life could. Kyle North finally understood. He was alive. Cold water cascaded over him, making him shiver in his nakedness. He had to get up, defend, break out of these restraints. They didn't feel like they could hold him, but his muscles wouldn't react, wouldn't pull hard enough. Something warm and firm on his face. The pressure in his throat, releasing, something sliding out like hard plastic vomit. Kyle gagged and coughed. Some of the healing gel had leaked into his mouth, into his lungs, and now it shot out onto his wet chin. That warm firmness again, like a snake on his face, then the covering came off around his temples. He blinked against the brightness, 
sight adjusting, trying to take in his situation. Harsh lights. A mold-speckled, rust-dotted ceiling of a shipping bay. A couple of the lighting rails flickering or entirely dead. The smell of old cargo. But the healing tank, it looked brand new. Spotless. Every surface that might touch Kai's skin gleamed with sterile precision. Still, he could not move. A voice from behind him. I will let you go if you promise not to kill me. Kai grunted, but only now did he realize he could not promise such a thing. Minutes after accepting the fact that he was indeed alive, Kyle was forced to deal with another unexpected truth every bit as shocking. The weakness. It wasn't weakness, it was an absence. He was a pure human again, 100% flesh, blood, and bone. His mods had been removed. Not just the custom pieces installed for the fight, but every ounce of offensive hardware and defensive wetware, every next-gen orthopedic implant and cutting-edge prosthetic replacement, it was all gone. He felt impossibly light and absurdly empty. The pain he felt? He felt all of it for the first time in years because there were no mechanical or digital filters intercepting the neural signals, diluting them from primitive motivation into mere information. This was real pain. If he had felt like this during the fight, he could have never done the things he did. The pain took over in full now. Kai didn't scream, only tensed as if his entire body were gripped in a godlike vice. He might have imploded under the pressure, but for the one remaining weapon that could not be removed, his most dangerous bodily armament, his mind. He regained control, fought for it, almost as though he were imposing his will over each nerve and muscle individually. The pain did not dissipate, but neither did it own him. His body relaxed. Let me go now, he said. If you don't, then when I do get out of this, I'll kill you for sure. At least now, you have a chance to live. A pause. Fair enough. He knew that kind of voice. Not human. What was it? The restraints let go with a beep, his wrist and chest and ankles simultaneously coming free. Kai sat up. No rush. No panic. If they were going to kill him, they would have just left him dead. He took his time examining his right leg. Reconstructed. At least somewhat. Hard to tell when it was swollen far beyond its normal size. It looked funny. No, everything looked funny. Because he was seeing with only one eye. Fingers traced his still wet face. Left eye socket staunched with organic gauze. Laser cauterized surgical scars, as long as a killing blade, crisscrossed his skin everywhere he touched. He still tasted Korak the Cutter's blood. Fluttering movement. Something flying. That's where he knew that kind of voice, the vocal processor of a hurrah. And then, in front of Kai, out of reach, one of the few hurrah he would recognize. Doc Patah, fight surgeon of Korak the Cutter. The situation was partially obvious. Patah had somehow taken Kai into a freighter, small by the looks of it, probably a smuggler. Dirty, nasty ship, 
with a space turned into a high-tech field hospital. During the flight, Doc had done extensive surgery on Kai. Must have taken days, if not weeks. There were a million questions Kai could have asked, questions to which any other being would have demanded answers. Kai, however, was not most beings. He'd already answered most of those questions for himself. When it came down to it, down to the quick, he had only one that seemed relevant at this point. Why did you do it? Doc Patad didn't answer right away. Redemption, I suppose. Kai snorted in a show of derision. The act lit his throat and chest on fire and jammed razor-barbed spear tips through his jaw. What about Korak, huh, Doc? Did you redeem yourself to him, too? Korak died undefeated. He will live on forever as a singular hero of the Quith, totally unmatched. Good for him. Doc Patel watched him for several moments. The pace of Kai's breathing began to intensify. You won that fight, Kyle. I know. Do you? It was Kai's turn to pause. I do now. But I think old Korak knew it before either of us. I saw it in that big peeper of his. It truly was a battle worthy of higher gods. I doubt there will ever be another like it. It should have been over quicker, Kai said. As slow as he was, I got sentimental, letting the old man get to me. Do you really believe that? Pata asked, and for a brief moment, Kyal became the heretic once more, flashing Doc a cryptic, almost impish look. It quickly vanished from his cracked granite features. Kai stood on weak legs, still naked, still wet. His words echoed off the empty cargo bay. Tell me where I'm at. The freighter is called the Big Red. I am not sure why. And where am I going? Doc paused, as if the answer were unsavory. I'm starting the clock now. I ask you a question. If you don't answer in three seconds, I kill you. One, two, the reef, Patah said. Kai stared at him. You gotta be kidding me. You need time to recover. It is the only place I could think of where you could remain invisible. The shuckin' tail end of known space? You're sending me to the shuckin' reef? Yes. We're there, actually. I would have liked to have given you more time in the tank, but we are here, and you must go. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Honoring 
remote island in Frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Kai shook his head. Even that hurt. Give me a rundown on what you did to me. How bad am I screwed? You will heal. You will also limp. The things you did to your leg? Well, modern medicine can only go so far. The leg will never be normal. You have one functioning eye left. I also replaced the segment of bone in your face that, well, needless to say, I had to calcify an entirely new fragment. Why the cheap organic crap? Why did you take out my gear? The Kretorakians. They use the mods to track professional fighters. You think the bats are on the reef, man? They are everywhere. They find those with mods. They always have. You didn't really imagine they'd let unaffiliated, super-powered warriors wander their space unchecked, did you? Kai didn't answer, but neither did he look surprised. So I'm not really alive. I'm afraid you can't be. The entire galaxy watched you die. Greedock the Splithead would kill us both and everyone we have ever cared for in this life. Everyone I care for is already dead. That much was true. The ones he did care for? Brokaw the Razorbarbed, Korak the Cutter. Those magnificent creatures, those teachers of life, those creators of Kyle, they were dead because Kai had killed them with his bare hands. Goddamn Greedock, Kai said. That little furball outplayed me. And me, Doc said. Faint instinct, like the dulled edge of a sword, flashed within Kai. A part of him still wanted revenge, still wanted what it always wanted, to conquer his enemies and see them broken at his feet. But the impulse, the drive, had changed. Since the first moment he'd entered the ring, a fire had raged inside of Kyle. The more he fought, the more intensely it burned, until it became a constant inferno, a fiery beast that demanded to be fed. It drove him, day and night, to train, to learn, to compete. Nothing could quench it save that one all-consuming goal, to be the best, beyond any question or measure. But now, there was nothing. Inside, there was only a cooling, a calmness. He'd awakened to find hell frozen over. Korak was dead, and whatever billions of mindless drones thought, he, Kyle North, had defeated the Quith fighter. There was no one else left. Kai was the last being standing, the undisputed king of Gladiator Mountain and that fire had been extinguished. Shuck it, Kai said. He forced himself to swing a leg over the tank and stand on his own. Kai's muscles screamed in a hellish chorus of pain, and his blood rushed like jets of liquid flame. He refused to yield to either, nor to the almost crippling nausea produced in the pit of his gut. The floor was warm and clean, a temporary white floor laid down over rusted steel and composite. Doc might have been sneaky, but he clearly didn't like germs. 
Kai began flexing his limbs. More torture, but it was the only way to get his body to begin regenerating. Kai, you should rest. You have much healing to do. Kai ignored the advice. What happens now? The doctor relented. I have clothes for you. Pata flew to a pile of clothes. As he did, Kai looked around. Now able to see more than just the ceiling, his one eye took in an array of medracks. Most of them were crusted with dried blood and bits of flesh. When Doc had finished with a particular piece of gear, he'd pushed it aside and moved on to the next. Considering the obsessively clean tank and the floor, that meant Patah had worked with a desperate sense of urgency to not clean the equipment when he finished. It also meant Doc had worked alone. If Kai killed him, killed the freighter crew, then no one would know he existed at all. Doc's mouth flaps dropped a selection of garments on the floor a few feet from Kai. Doc was still keeping his distance. Smart. The clothes and accessories were designed for a human male. Kai Cherry picked a simple shirt, pants, and a good pair of boots. He also pulled out a cloak made from some type of synthetic animal hide. It looked like a monk's robe, not his style. Kai used one of Doc's metal tools to cut the sleeves from it, slicing the stiff hood into a high collar. In a few minutes, he turned it into a savage-looking duster and was pulling it on. How do you expect this to play out? A missing body from a heavyweight championship match is going to bring up questions. Marcus won't be satisfied unless he can light the funeral pyre himself. I solved the problem, Doc said. You might be pleased to know Marcus did just that. Your face was rather damaged. Your tattoos provided identification of your body. Kai's hand shot to his shoulder tat, and he craned his neck down to look. The inverted cross, gone. Normal skin in its place. You cut off my tats and put them on... Who? Do you really care? Kyle shrugged, sending shockwaves of agony all the way to his toes. Somehow, Doc had come up with a modded body and a faked corpse. That kind of crap took planning. Then again, planning was implied for a sentient that could inject a human with a drug that would stop his heart, then spirit away the body and bring him back to life. By the way, what did you use on me? Carmelian neurotoxin. Completely shuts down your nervous system, puts you into a coma. The antidote is a simple injection. As long as you get the antidote within 20 minutes, there is usually no brain damage. And how long did it take you to give me that antidote? 35 minutes, Doc said. The ring was very crowded. There was a fog-laden surgical mirror affixed to one of the bloody gear racks. Kai examined everything above his neck. The shape of his face had changed, though. His nose, his cheeks. He barely recognized himself. Korak had really dished out a beating, savage enough to shatter Kai's face. Even in death, Korak the Cutter continued to forge a new man out of Kyle North. Ptah had provided a selection of headwear. Kai pulled out a nondescript skullcap and stuffed the smash melon that was his cranium inside of it. He also chose a wide-brimmed hat and fitted it snugly over the compressed mass. It did the trick. The remnants of Doc Ptah's ministrations filled several gleaming metallic tubs lined atop a table. 
Stained surgical tools, chunks of gore, and removed pieces of hardware were all marinating in several inches of pooled blood. Kai sifted through it briefly. Shrapnel from Korak's hard carapace was still lodged in Kai's gear. He selected a piece the size of a sand dollar and began cleaning it off. He used one of Pata's laser scalpels to shape it. When he was satisfied, he set the piece aside and reached for Pata's micro-bolt gun with one hand, pulling the gauze from his ravaged eye socket with the other. Holding the carapace chunk over his blinded eye, Kai stamped it into place. He flinched as each bolt pierced his flesh and entered his skull, but no more than most beings would flinch at a pinprick. Doc Pata watched all of this without comment, unsure whether he was looking at a trophy or a shrine. I'm afraid you will be on your own, Doc said. I don't have much in the way of money to offer you. I spent what I had to arrange for your care and transportation. And accessing your own accounts is obviously out of the question. I'm sorry I couldn't plan things out better. The hurrah was a shucking magician, and he was apologizing for bad planning. Guy probably apologized for everything. Money never really mattered. I've never even carried currency on me. People have always just given me what I needed, what I wanted, because of who I am, because of what I can do. I think you'll find that that will change. For the first time, Kai smiled. No, it won't. No matter how the universe changes, some things will always stay the same. Kai stuffed several changes of clothes into a beaten field pack Doc had also provided, along with a small stock of pain medication and rations. Do you have any idea of what you'll do? Do? I'll do what I've always done. I'll do it until I can't do it anymore. Kai turned his back on the doctor, and his booted feet carried him out of the cargo hold door. He never thanked Pata, and Pata never expected that he would. The Johnson branch of the reef was more occupied than most of the ancient, sprawling construct. More occupied, which was to say, it actually had a bar with more than two patrons. Chevy Max Tavern was dirty and ramshackle, and new waitresses never lasted long. Few pretty girls made it to the reef, and the ones that did make it usually weren't pretty by the time their first shift was over. Desra was young and petal-faced maybe a six by the standards of universal human beauty, but an unblemished girl like her was a raging eleven on the reef. An hour into her debut shift, a trio of roughnecks came in. Adhering to pack rules, their leader was the biggest and the meanest. Desra did her best to placate him while keeping out of arm's reach, but it didn't take two drinks before things began to spiral out of control. By the time she slapped him, the roughnecks had already decided how they were going to entertain themselves that night. They grabbed her and threw her on top of the table. The bartender, aging badly and with a bum leg, clenched his withered fists against the bar top and gritted his teeth. It wasn't the first time he'd been a helpless witness to such an act, and he had no illusions about it being the last. I got a joke for you boys! The voice came from just inside the door, so deep and commanding, it actually halted the entire room. 
The roughnecks took in the sight of him. Big man, long coat, wide-brimmed hat, hard patch over one eye. He would have been a laughable cliché if it weren't for all the scars and the look in the eye he had left. A joke, the leader said. Man, I love a good joke. Lay it on us, Cyclops. The new arrival nodded. What has three teeth, two tongues, and no balls? No one had a guess, but that didn't matter. The stranger spent the next 60 seconds delivering the punchline in graphic detail. It took less than half that time, as she was stepping all over the parts of the roughnecks he'd torn off, for Desiree to decide she'd go home with him that night if he were so inclined. I'd say that you aren't a free drink, the bartender said, his whole body quivering with relief. I'd say that earned me a free dinner. Dinner it is, on the house, the old man offered without hesitation. In fact, if you'd like to stick around, dinner's on the house every night. Part of your pay for keeping the place respectable. For the second time in as many weeks, Kyle North smiled. You have been listening to Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.